We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Rev. Carl Gallops of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates. With me in the studio, Reverend Carl Gallops, the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be here. We've asked a lot of questions that all seem to be very central to Christianity, especially the one we did the very first show of Prove the Existence of God. I'd like to narrow that focus just a little bit more on today's program. I don't want you to prove the existence of God. But I do want to talk more specifically about Jesus as God. Mm -hmm. Central to the Christian message is that Jesus is God in the flesh. That's right. And yet the the Muslims say, yeah, Jesus was around, but he was just a prophet. Right. And one of the minor prophets at that. The Jews acknowledge the existence of Jesus, but they don't accept him as the Messiah. Right. Central to the Christian message. And if they're wrong on this... They'd be wrong on everything. So right. your answer to this question is very important. Is Jesus God in the flesh? And discuss with us the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay. That, thank you for asking that question. You kind of stole a little of my thunder with your question because whenever that question is asked of me, I always begin by emphasizing the centrality of that message to the Christian faith. The the issue of who was Jesus, uh, who is Jesus, is absolutely central to the Christian faith and understanding. Because either he was God in the flesh, capable of saving a man's soul, or he was not. And if he was not, then he was something rather ugly. And we'll talk about those possibilities in a few moments. But the bottom line to this whole argument to me is, First of all, did Jesus ever claim to be God? Because, I mean, you know, if he never made the claim to be God, then what are we arguing about? (laughs) You know, is that something that Christians invented, something that Christians just tagged on him because we wanted to? He was such a popular figure and a beloved figure that we said, hey, let's just make a God out of him. Uh, Christians have been accused of that, but is that the truth? Did Jesus claim to be God? Another question we could ask along those lines, Mike, is what did his enemies think? Did his enemies think that he was claiming to be God? Or did they understand that he was claiming to just, just be a teacher of salvation principles or something along those lines? Um, uh, uh, so, and another, and another question is, does the Bible claim that Jesus is God? Again, a moot point. If, if Jesus didn't claim it, Mike, and if the Bible doesn't claim it about him, then we Christians are stupid for claiming that Jesus is God. I mean, that would be a very silly thing to do, to make a claim that neither Jesus claimed nor the Bible claims. Now, let me show you the importance of this claim, Mike, because there are religions, denominations, that would say, well, you know, he, there was a Jesus. He was a great man. He was a good prophet. He was a miracle worker. He was the best man that ever lived. Uh, he was a teacher of salvation principles. Uh, he was all those wonderful things, but he was not God in the flesh. Okay? All right. So, Mike, let me give you some illustrations. Let's, it's easy to, 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 to argue that... Uh, thoroughly, but let's bring it right down to today, right here where we live. So Mike, if I'm standing in the pulpit preaching one Sunday, and you're out in the congregation listening, and I say to the people, you of course being included with the people, and I say, uh, 
folks, uh, I know I've been your pastor for a long time, and, and I'm a pretty good preacher, right? And everybody says, yeah, 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 you're a good preacher. And I say, well, and I'm a pretty good pastor too, right? Yeah, yeah, Brother Carl, you're, you're a pretty good pastor. And, and folks, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good fella too. I mean, I've been here a long time. I've, I, pr- I practice what I preach. Uh, I'm not some flaming hypocrite, right? I'm a pretty good fella. Yeah, yeah, Carl, you're a pretty good fella. And then I look at them, Mike, and I say, well, now let me say something. Not only am I all those things, but folks, and I look at you and I say, Mike, not only am I all those things, but I am also the way and I am the truth. And Mike, I am the life. And Mike, you're not getting to heaven unless you come by me. Now, all of a sudden, I've changed everything because you would look to your wife and punch her and say, who does he think he is, God? You see, why would you do that? I mean, people would be murmuring. People would say, what, what? Wait a minute, preacher. Wait a minute. You're not all that. Why? Because by making a claim like that, and of course, it's obvious if anyone knows anything about the scriptures, you know that I've just quoted the words of Jesus and many other things he said like this. But it's so easy to say, well, he didn't mean he was God. Oh, really? But yet, if I said it at Hickory Hammock this coming Sunday, you would immediately think, well, who does he think he is? God? What do you mean that he's the only one that can save us? What do you mean he is the truth, the way, the life? Only God can say those things about himself. Well, that's right, Mike. Only God can say those things. So so if I said those things about myself, Mike, then all of a sudden, all the rules have changed. Either I have to be the only way to heaven, and therefore God in the flesh, or I'm a nut (laughs) or a liar. Or, or a crazy man. But I can't be both good old Carl and God in the flesh at the same time. I, in, in other words, you can't say, well, he was just, uh, you can't say about Jesus, he was just a good man. He was just a good prophet. He was just a good miracle worker. Was he a good man? Absolutely. He was a perfect man. Was, was he a prophet? Absolutely. He was the perfect prophet. Was he a miracle worker? Absolutely. He did things that no one's ever been able to do and no one's done before. He did things only God could do. Was he those things? Yes. But the issue is, Mike, he was more than those and he claimed to be more than those. Did Jesus claim to be God? Absolutely. Many times and in many different ways. Um, for example, uh, in John chapter 14, when he's talking to his disciples, right after he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, a little bit later, and I'm paraphrasing here a little, but you, if, if the folks will look it up, they, they, they will verify that this is correct. Jesus, the disciples turn to Jesus and they say, you know, uh, show us the Father. Show us the Father. In other words, what they're saying is we've been with you for three years. We've heard teachings about the kingdom. We've heard you speak of this intimacy you have with the Father. Show us the Father. And Mike, do you know what Jesus' answer was? Listen to what he said, and then put these words in Carl Gallup's mouth from the pulpit on a Sunday. And tell me what you think Jesus meant by this. They said, show us the Father. If you could just show us the Father, we'll believe. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you still do not know who I am? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. How much clearer can you get than that? Did Jesus claim to be God? What did he just tell his disciples? Have I been with you so long and you still don't know that I'm God in the flesh? And then he just kind of probably sighed and said, look, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, to drive the point home even further, over in John chapter 10, he makes another statement that only God can make. He says, you know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. 
Now again, Mike, if I said that from the pulpit on Sunday, I'm up there just preaching, being good old Carl, and all of a sudden I break into this thing and, and, and look at my congregation and say, folks, only I give eternal life. My sheep know me. They hear me. They follow me. And only I can give a man eternal life. Only I. Again, you'd punch your wife and say, what does he think? Does he think he's God? But see, Jesus spoke those words and words like that over and over and over again. Well, in John chapter 10, right after he speaks those words, the scripture goes on to say that immediately the Pharisees picked up stones to stone him. Jesus asked them, for which of my miracles do you stone me? In other words, what he's saying to them is, look, I've done things only God can do. I know I've just claimed to be God, but I've done things only God can do. So which one of my miracles are you condemning me? Which one of them are you saying is fake? Which one of them are you saying doesn't point to the fact that I'm God? But listen to the Pharisees' answers. So he says, for which one of my miracles do you stone me? The Pharisees answered with, we do not stone you, for any miracle, but we stone you because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now those words are in the scripture. So you see, even his enemies understood and recognized that he claimed to be God in the flesh. He told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Uh, he made claims about himself that only God could make. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And by the way, when he's using those words, I am, it's an emphatic statement, number one. And number two, he's also using the very words that God used when he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses said, who am I going to tell the people has sent me? And God says, you tell them that I am has sent you. See, that's a Hebrew phrase it means so much more than our English, I am thirsty, I am hungry, I am Carl. That word I am in Hebrew, as he used it, means I am the embodiment of all that is. <laughs> I am, I just, I am who I am. I, you can't understand me. I'm bigger than you. I'm more than you. I'm the creator. You're the creation. Just I am. I am life. I am death. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am. Okay, so that that phrase of describing uh, a person's self was reserved only for God, and Jesus used that very phrase when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So did Jesus claim to be God? Well, Mike, he claimed it over and over. As a matter of fact, the ridiculousness of the claim that Jesus never claimed to be God can be illustrated like this. When someone says to me, well, preacher, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. Why do you Christians claim it? I always like to look at him and say, oh, really? Then why was he crucified? Was he crucified for rape? <laughs> no. Murder? No. Uh, robbing a tom-thumb? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, was he crucified for being a mugger, a thief, uh, a liar, a pervert? No. No. Why was he crucified? Mike, he was crucified because he claimed to be God. Let me take you back to the scene. You remember he's whisked away from the Garden of Gethsemane in the night by the temple guard. He's brought to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest. The scripture says that they, that they hated him so much because of his popularity, because of his claims to be God. They considered him blasphemous. They considered him a troublemaker. They wanted him dead. And the Bible says that Caiaphas and the high priest, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they brought in false witnesses 
to testify against Jesus. And the scripture says that even the false witnesses couldn't agree with themselves, with each other. They were proven to be false. And Jesus, they kept asking Jesus questions and he never would give them answers and direct answers. And Caiaphas uh, got on to Jesus several times about being so silent and not answering the questions. And the scripture says that he stood there silent before his accusers. And then Caiaphas asked him, Mike, the million dollar question. Tell us plainly, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? Now, the reason that was the million dollar question is because those terms, the Christ and son of the living God, those were messianic terms, terms of the Messiah from the Old Testament. Again, put yourself in the context 2,000 years ago. These were the Jewish high priests. By asking him that question, they were asking him, are you God with us? Are you God in the flesh? Are you God's promise of himself visiting and living among us, declaring his glory and showing his glory to us as he promised in the Old Testament. That's what all that meant when he said, tell us plainly, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? Now, the question was interesting, Mike, but the answer blew them away because Jesus simply answered, I am. Now, again, not only did he answer in the affirmative, but he used those holy words that were reserved only for the name of God himself. He used the same words that God used when Moses said, who are you? Who am I going to tell the people sent me? And God says, you tell them that I am has sent you. That's why, Mike, the Bible says Caiaphas stood, he pulled his hair, he ripped his robes, he screamed out, this as blasphemy. And if anybody will take the Webster's Dictionary and look up the term blasphemy, they'll find that one of the, there's about four definitions, but one of the first two definitions is claiming equality with God. That's the definition of blasphemy. Caiaphas accused him. He said, blasphemy. In other words, you've just claimed to be God. Well, what was the question? Tell us plainly. Are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And that term son of the living God doesn't mean like son like you and I would think, something we've created or birthed from our flesh, but it meant God who is not man puts on flesh and becomes man, so therefore we see him or call him the Son of God or God in the flesh with us. And so that's how the term was used. And when Jesus answered it, he had the audacity not only to say that he was, but to use the term that God reserved only for himself to say what his name was. He said, I am. And the Bible says Caiaphas tore his clothes, he tore his robe, he pulled his hair. And Jews are very expressive anyway, you know, but I mean, the, but, the, but this, is, this was blasphemy. And he cried that out. And the people there began to say, he's worthy of death. Crucify him. Crucify him. So when people say to me, preacher, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. My, my, my question is, why, well, then why was he crucified? That's the very reason he was crucified, Mike, because he claimed to be God in the flesh. And Jesus claimed to be God through miracles, through his words, deeds, things like that. But he was given an opportunity to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was, in fact, God in the flesh. When he was hanging from the cross, the chief priests, the teachers, the elders, they said, well, he saved others but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel, so let him come down from the cross, then we'll believe him. They mocked him. Well, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants to. He claims to be the son of God. Essentially, they said, prove it. And if Jesus really was the son of God, he could have 
and I'm going to be somewhat blunt about this, but that's sort of my role here, okay? Right. I may know the answer to the question, play but I'm going to ask advocate. it anyway. Right, I'm, that's the phrase for it. I'll play <laughs> devil's advocate. Jesus could have said, okay, fine, snapped his fingers and come down from the cross. Right. But he didn't do it. But had he done that in front of hundreds, if not thousands of witnesses, would that not have been greater testimony to the to the statement that he, in fact, was the Son of God, than to die the physical death, which hundreds or thousands witnessed, and then the resurrection be seen by a couple of people that were his followers anyway? Would it not have been more powerful had he done it publicly? And if so, and I'm not saying that it is, but if so, why didn't he? Will you answer that for me on the other side of the break? That'd be a good question to answer on the other side of the break. We'll get that answer when Ask the Preacher returns. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher with Reverend Carl Gallops with Hickory Hammock Baptist Church. I'm Mike Bates, your host, and I'm going to ask this question, hopefully much more succinctly than I asked it before the break, <laughs> because I need to give you time to answer it, and that is this. When Jesus was on the cross, and he was mocked and basically challenged, hey, if you're God, then come off the cross. Why didn't he just come down? Why didn't he just do it? Why didn't he yeah. just do it in front of hundreds of, or thousands of people and been done with it? Yeah, that's a good question. It has been asked throughout the ages. The answer is very biblical, very simple. If he had done that, several monumental eternal things would have been true. He would have been a liar because, first of all, he had promised for three years that he was going to the cross and that that would be the sacrificial death. He would also not have fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies that the Messiah would indeed become the sacrificial lamb of God. He would be the Passover lamb. And so that is what he came for, Mike. That was his mission. That's why the book of Revelation describes him as the, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It was his mission to go to that cross. It was his mission to provide that sacrificial death. It was his mission to spill that sacrificial blood. Had he said, okay, you want proof? I'll give it to you now. He would have, he would have violated everything he came to do, every promise he made, and every prophecy of the Old Testament. But instead, he chose to do something much more powerful. You see, because the reality, Mike, because he was and is God, he could have come down from the cross that day, Mike. He had a choice at that point that had to have been in the flesh a great temptation for him. He could have either saved himself or he could have saved us. But he couldn't have done both at that point because he was fulfilling the promise of the prophecy and the promise that he had made to his disciples and the promise that had been recorded in the Old Testament. He could have saved himself or he could have saved us, but at that moment he could not have done both and he chose to save us and keep the promise. And so he stayed on the cross, he completed the death, that's why he was able to say at the end, it is finished. He didn't mean his life because three days later he would rise from the dead. What he meant was is that the prophecies and the promises, the plan of God, the Passover lamb had been slain. It was done. It was finished. God's plan of salvation was now done through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's why he didn't do it then. But his much greater plan was to fulfill the promise of the sacrificial death and then to rise from the dead, albeit only a few saw him at first. But Mike, actually the scriptures are clear and history is clear that literally hundreds of people, and some suggest maybe even thousands, witnessed the resurrected Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes to people in, in the first century church, people who were still alive, 
5, he said over 500, he appeared to over 500 of you, and he says many of whom are still alive today. He says, and then he says, although some have died. But I mean, Paul's just writing to contemporaries, contemporary writing and contemporary time to the eyewitnesses, and he's saying, you know, 500 of you saw him at once, and, and, and most of you are still alive. So there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that witnessed the resurrection, and he fulfilled his sacrificial death on the cross. So that's a good question that you asked, but the answer is very biblical, very simple, and the, and the, and, and the implications of it are, are eternal. But you know, Mike, did Jesus claim to be God? Of course he did. I've made that very clear. Does the scripture claim that Jesus is God? Of course it does. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it speaks of Jesus' birth, and it says this was done uh, uh, to fulfill the scriptures, and then he quotes Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, and Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 goes on to say, meaning God with us. I don't know how much clearer it can get than that. Does, do the scriptures claim that Jesus is God? And then also in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later on in, chapter tw uh, in that first chapter, and a few verses later, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth as of the only begotten of the Father. In other words, it's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. So if you take the Word word, and you substitute Jesus for it, it would read like this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now, there's a Trinitarian statement there, of course, and we can deal with that in another show about the Trinity, but the point I'm making, does do, do the scriptures claim that Jesus is God? Yes. And I just gave you two, and there are many, many more. But So, Jesus claimed to be God. The scriptures claim he was God. Uh, and, and you say, well, Carl, but how can I know? I mean, anybody can claim to be God. A lunatic can claim to be God. A liar can claim to be God. Uh, how do I know? Well, again, that's why it was necessary for him to stay on the cross. Because the way we know he was God was that resurrection, Mike. Because had he not risen from the tomb, then nothing he did or said before that would have made any difference in the world. No one has ever resurrected themselves from the grave before. No one has done it since. No one will do it. No one can do it. But God himself. And when Jesus did it, he kept the promise, he kept the prophecy, and he showed the power that he is God in the flesh. And so, that's why he didn't deliver himself, Mike. He had a choice at that point. Save myself or save the billions or get, offer the opportunity to save billions of those in the future, all who would come. So, Mike, it sounds kind of uh, emotional to say this, but I think on that cross he looked down through eternity and saw a Mike Bates and a Carl Gallops, and he says, no, I'm going to stay on the cross. And then I will show you later that I'm God, three days later. And then from there on, it's a matter of faith. And as God in the flesh, he felt as much pain on that cross as if you'd have been there. Well, that's right, there. because not only was he fully God, but he was fully man. And that's difficult for us to grasp. But he felt the pain we felt. He suffered the sufferings that we suffer. The Bible said he was tempted in all ways that we are, but yet without sin. See, that's why I said a moment ago, I think the last temptation Jesus faced was on that cross when those people said, save yourself and come down and prove. Now, my brother, in the flesh... If I were him, that had been tough for me to turn mm -hmm. down. Knowing that I could do it, I'd want to not only come down, but then zap them with lightning and fry them all where they stand after. You know, knowing that you have that power, you know. But, but no, he, re he restrained himself. He reserved uh, himself. 
that was, I think, the last temptation of Jesus. If you are the Christ, come down and prove it. Save yourself. And he said, nope, I choose to save others. A powerful story. He did it for you. He did it for me. Right. And he did it for everybody on this planet. God in the flesh. God with us. Reverend Carl Gallops with Hickory Hammock Baptist Church. You can learn more at hickoryhammockbaptist.org. Carl, can you close us in prayer, please? I'd be glad to. And Jesus, I pray that everything that we've said today has exalted the truth of your word and your name and your very being, God with us. Thank you, God, for putting upon flesh. Thank you for allowing us to touch you, to feel you, to see you, to hear your words, and then to experience your love as you went to Calvary's cross and shed your own blood for our sin. May we exalt you with our lives for the rest of the life that you give us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.